Amen. Hello. Uh, last week, I end up like deleting the last episode because it was called acceptance, and there was a little part where I misinterpreted um, the three men that showed up in Genesis 18. I misinterpreted it as the Trinity when um, it was Jesus and two angels. And so I just wanted to clear that up. We deleted that episode, took out that part, and then reposted it. Um, so now it's available everywhere. Um, people were like, the rest of the sermon was so good. Please repost it. And I wasn't going to repost it until uh, a lot of people asked that. And so thank you for the encouragement. A lot of people were like encouraging me because I was like literally beating myself up. I've never like, I've never like misinterpreted something in a sermon. You know, I've, if I do that, I do it in my study time. I've never done it in a sermon. So I've just spent the last couple of days just beating myself up. And you know what it's kind of like is see this podcast arm. If you're watching live, you can see it. This thing is spring loaded. So when the box came, it said, beware when you open the box because it pops open. Mm -hmm. I read that and I took it into account when I first got it. But over weeks and months of me having it um, today, you might be seeing, you might notice I'm wearing a, a using a different mic stand. I took off my microphone to reposition it and it popped up and it hit me in the lip. And so if you're watching live, you can see how like this side of my lip is swollen and I think it's just a good illustration. I was like, I was thanking God. Thank you for letting me get hit in the face because um, I need to like never forget the instructions that he gave me and I need to not get comfortable. Um, and I did get too comfortable with teaching online like this. And that's why we were doing two episodes a week. And this is me saying we're not doing that anymore because I was getting too comfortable and I was, you know, deceiving myself into believing that I can preach two huge sermons like this a week, I can't. Like what we do is just so heavy and I don't believe anyone could just do what we do. It's really hard to preach. Like I'm looking at a camera right now. I don't see you guys. I see like the chat. I see your usernames, but it's hard sometimes to preach to a camera and then do it twice a week for 40 or 50 minutes at a time. And so mm -hmm. I was, I wasn't, I don't know the illustration. I wasn't batting at the average that I, I don't know. I'm not, I didn't play sports, but <laughs> I just, I bit off, I bit off more than I can chew. And, um, I mm -hmm. think I got hit in the lip for that reason. God allowed me to get hit in the lip, hit in the mouth, um, because I just need to take a lot of reverence when it comes to talking about him. Um, and I have that, but I think I would just, I was just, I bit off more than I can chew and I was doing too much. So anyway, with that said, we're going to post every Wednesday afternoon. We're going to go live every Wednesday afternoon. We're not posting on Sundays anymore. We're not going live on Sundays anymore. Um, we were going to church right after I preached, um, and it left me flustered. Like I couldn't like, I didn't have peace, which we're talking about today. I didn't have peace. Like, I couldn't like get out of the preaching mode and just enjoy my church family, enjoy my church home. And so, mm -hmm. uh, we're not going to do that anymore every Wednesday. And with that said, let's run the intro. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So the message or the title of today's sermon is peace. And we often lack it, but Jesus always had it. Without it, without it, we will be internally chaotic and internally chaotic and eternally lost. So how do we get it? Glad you asked. Stick around. We're gonna be in Matthew. Matthew. Wow, I'm all over the place. Mark chapter 14, verses 43 through 52. I'm gonna pray us in, and then Alex will take it away. Um, but before that, we just want to say thank you to all of our donors. Thank you if you have supported um, 
our ministry through giving financially. If you'd like to donate to the preaching ministry of Amen Church Live, you can visit amenchurch.live or click the link in our description. Let's pray. Father, um, you are just so grand and so holy and just not like us at all. You're so set apart and we want to honor you today and we really want to uh, people to see just how great and grand and holy that you are, Father, and that you offer something um, that the world doesn't. And so um, thank you, Lord, for just being here with us and for still speaking to us thousands of years after your son went back to be with you in heaven. And so we just ask that you would be glorified today and that you would show us what it means to have peace and how to get it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 We got to have peace. Without it, we are going to end up doing things that we regret and things that just aren't um, what we want to be remembered for. I don't think any of these people in this in this text want to be remembered for these things, but you know, the people who didn't have peace in this message, but I think some of them are in heaven right now happy that they are remembered for these things so that they could help us um, make the right decisions. And we live in a world that's like really without peace right now. I didn't have peace all most of the week, you know, the last couple of days because I was like running through my mind, like, how did I come up with that mistake? Like, I just need to slow down. And, and so <laughs> not having peace, you know, the, that's anxiety, having being anxious. Mm -hmm. And we're, there's a lot of talk right now in the mental health community about anxiety and people are claiming anxiety like it's who you are. It's not mm -hmm. who you are. Mm -mm. It's something that you struggle with, but it's not who you are. And what I want to do from this message is I want to help cure your anxiety because I believe Jesus is the cure for anxiety. Mm -hmm. Your counselor, your psychologist, your doctor can't do what Jesus does. Your physician can't do what Jesus does. This is why he's called the great physician because uncurable diseases, he cured them. People who, you know, he cured them with a touch or with a word. That's why he's a great physician. And so there's something in your life that's causing this anxiety. I don't, we're going to talk about what it is because the word will, what will reveal, will reveal what it is. But I know that God can cure it. I know that mm -hmm. God can free you from struggling with that and give you the tools you need you know, to connect with him so that the anxiety can go away and you can live with the peace of God that passes all understanding. So let's look at verse 43 through 52. Let's just walk through it. Mm -hmm. And immediately while he was still speaking, Jesus was still speaking to his disciples. They were like, he was like, dude, you guys are sleeping again. I just, I just checked on you. And I said, you know, wake up, please pray with me. I'm going through great distress. I'm going to the cross soon. The psychological torment is already on me. The weight of the wrath of God is on me. Can you please stay up and pray with me while he's like, you know, but it is enough. He says in verse, was it verse 41? It is enough. Look, my betrayer is here. While he's still speaking, Judas comes up. Jesus isn't caught off guard by anything. The last passage, last episode, we talked about how he was in distress. Mm -hmm. Distress is the ultimate amount of psychological trauma. You've never felt this before. Never felt this before. The closest I've ever gotten to this is I, when I was in high school and in college, I was running away from the Lord. I was doing drugs and alcohol. And one, like a couple times, um, I was mixing drugs 
and I was in the fetal position for hours. I had to ask my friends, please do not fall asleep. Do not fall asleep. Watch me all night because I will kill myself. I was just being psychologically tormented by demons and by evil spirits because I was mixing drugs. You know, and the Bible talks about, you know, when Paul says witchcraft and demons and stuff, he uses a word pharmakeia in his letters in the New Testament. Pharmakeia, it's spelled not with an F, but with a PH, and it's spelled with the same prefix as pharmacy. And so we got to look out for drugs. But that torment and stuff, I felt a sliver, the tiniest little sliver, splinter ever, of, you know, of what is talked about in this verse. The wrath of God. It can't even, I mean, I can't even, it's not even worth even mentioning the same breath what Jesus was going through. But when I read this, it broke me because I said, whoa, this is, Jesus felt psychological mental torment. The, I mean, some of you guys have had sleep paralysis where you wake up in the middle of the night and your eyes are open and you can't speak, you can't move until you say, get out, Jesus. You get it out and then you can move all of a sudden. I've heard so many Christians tell that type of story. Some of you have felt some intense stuff or seen possession, really. A lot of us, we have people in uh, in other countries. Someone from Fiji reached out to us in the chat. Someone from Australia put a comment on our last video. So people all over the world listen to this podcast. Well, in other countries, demon possession, especially in Africa, lots of stuff like this happens. In Haiti, torment. I just want you to think of absolute torment. Any type of torment you could think of on the earth, Jesus Jesus's was eternally worse, infinitely worse. That's what he's going through. That's what his distress was. But even in that distress, he's not distracted. There's no one cannot be distracted in distress except Jesus. Even though he's distressed, he's not distracted. He says, look, while I still speak, he says, look, my betrayer is here. While he's still speaking, it happens. Judas came, one of the 12, and with him, a crowd of swords and clubs. The first group of people here, there's four different groups of people here besides Jesus that don't have peace. The crowd, Peter, Judas, and this young man that runs away in verse 51 and 52. The first is the crowd. How do we know they don't have peace? They come to Jesus from the chief priests and the elders, verse 43 says, with swords and clubs. When has Jesus ever been violent? When does he ever, like, want to pick a fight and, like, hurt someone? The only thing, and this isn't even violence, the only thing that we could think of, of him, you know, acting, you know, kind of like, whoa, someone, someone better get that guy, is when he was flipping tables in the temple. Because they were turning God's house into robbery. They were robbing people for money inside of God's house. And Jesus is God. And he was flipping over the tables and saying, this is not okay. But even then, he's not hurting people. He doesn't do that. He's gentle. He's tender. He's righteous. What gave them the idea that they need to come to Jesus? Jesus did nothing but heal people, help people, lift people out of the dead, out of their sickness. Widows, mom, like, moms, people who needed help, little kids, you know, he he was so tender and gentle. What made them think they had to come with him with swords and clubs? They were confused. Without peace, you'll be confused. Without peace, you'll be violent. Look at Jesus says in verse uh, 48 and 49, and Jesus said to them, have you come to me 
come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs? Am I a robber to you to capture me? 49, day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. You had every single day to arrest me. Why didn't you arrest me then when I was in the temple? Because I'm not violent. I'm not a crazy, like your lack of peace has led you to confusion. A lot of times we approach God wrong because we don't have peace. There's no peace inside of us. We don't even know how to approach him. We're approaching his word. We're approaching him. Jesus is the word of God. We're approaching him with confusion. And violence, what is violence? Trying to get our own way at all costs. Trying to insist our will upon another person. That's what violence is. That's why people murder someone else. We come with, to God with that. We come to his word with that. We approach life that way. And that's no way to live. We don't want to live that way. Look at verse uh, 45. And when he came, he went up to him at once. This is Judas. And he said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Judas would have never thought he would act this way. When you live with deceit in your heart, you end up doing things that you never thought you'd do. Judas comes up to Jesus and kisses him. He says, Rabbi, teacher, and uses a kiss, a friendly greeting between a student to a teacher back then to, to signal the betrayal. He never thought he would get there. He thought, and in his mind, most commentators believe that Judas was doing this to uh, like arouse these feelings of camaraderie and messiahship in Jesus. Because a lot of people thought the Messiah would come and overthrow the current government at the time. And that's what Judas commentators say is what, that's what they probably, that's what Jesus, probably Judas thought about Jesus. He thought Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. And he thought that kingdom was a type of kingdom that would overthrow Rome. But Judas had it all wrong. He had never, he would have never thought he would do something like this when he first started following the Lord. And I'm telling you, there are so many times where I've done stuff that as I look back on them, I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. Why? I was lying to myself. This is why James says the word of God is a mirror. And if you walk away from it and you don't obey it, you're like a person who sees themselves in the mirror and forgets what they look like. What that means is you end up doing stuff where you can't recognize yourself. You end up doing stuff and you say, what? How did I? I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? What was I thinking? Deceit. Living with deceit. What does it mean to, to be deceitful? It means to, or be deceived. It means to believe something that isn't true. To convince yourself that something is true that is not true. This is what pathological liars do. They come up with something and then their mind convinces them that it's true. Insane. It's literally insane. And we do that. We say, well, I'm not a pathological liar. Everyone's a pathological liar. Everyone lives with some type of deceit in their heart, and they end up doing that, and that's what Judas did. So Judas obviously didn't have peace. If you have peace, if you don't have peace, you'll be deceived. Without peace, you'll have deceit in your heart. Verse 46, and they laid hands on him and they seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Who did that? Peter. John tells us in his account of this that it's Peter. He cut off a guy's ear. Why? He was trying to protect Jesus. Foolishness. Without peace, you'll have foolishness mm -hmm. in your mistakes or you'll make foolish mistakes. 
Peter loved Jesus. Guys, don't let's not get that wrong. We make fun of Peter. We say things about Peter. We 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 highlight Peter and and all all the things he did wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget Peter's an apostle. Yes. There's only 12 of those guys. Peter is a legend, guys. You wouldn't even know who God is. You wouldn't have the Bible if it wasn't for Peter. Don't forget Peter's the rock. He's the that's what Peter means. Rock. It's the foundation of the church. He got up and preached at Pentecost in the first part of the book of Acts and 3,000 people came to the Lord. He started, like he 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 kickstarted the church. Yeah. And Jesus told him he would do that. He said, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. So, yeah, Peter made a lot of mistakes. They're in there for us because we're going to make the same mistakes. But he responds, though he loves Jesus, he, 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 has, he has love for God, but he has the wrong motives, and he has the wrong methods. And he has the wrong timing. This, it, we do this. We love Jesus. But when we don't have peace, we end up having the wrong motives, the wrong methods, and the wrong timing for things. He reaches out and cuts off a guy's ear and trying to protect Jesus. Jesus had already told him to stay awake and stay up and pray with me. And the scriptures have to be fulfilled this way. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the, into the hands of murderers. And I'm going to be killed and I'm going to raise on the third day. He had already been told this, but because he lacked peace, he had the wrong method. And he had, you know, he made a mistake, a foolish mistake. How many foolish mistakes will you make living with a lack of peace? Mm. Don't live that way. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, remember, Jesus, as we look at the last person, Jesus had peace. How do we know he had peace? Because It said, while he was still speaking about his murderers coming to get him, the murderers came and got him. He he already knew exactly. What does it say in verse 42? I'm sorry, verse uh, 41. Are you still sleeping? Taking your rest? It's enough. The hour has come. He knew this hour was coming. And while he was still saying those words, while those words were still in the air, hovering around them, Judas came. He had peace. Jesus had peace. Mm -hmm. All the chaos around him, he still knew exactly what was happening. And he could walk through it with peace. You know, he just, nothing was sinking him. Nothing was tossing him out of his boat. He had peace. We see this when he's asleep in the storm earlier in Mark chapter 4. Check this out. The last person uh, that we want to, that has no peace here, maybe this is you. Because each one of these characters is a little bit of ourselves. Verse Mm -hmm. 51 and 52. And a young man followed him. Who's this young man? This is the only gospel that includes this little tidbit. And so most commentators believe that it's Mark. Mm -hmm. So, and Mark was young at the time when he wrote this. He was, you know, a helper. He was a companion to, to, at times to Paul, at times to Peter. So this guy, John, Mark, his name is, his full name is John Mark. He's a hero of mine. Because it was his gospel that saved me. And also, they had church at his house a lot. And so, I, I'm a church kid. Local Lonnie's a church kid. We grew up getting dragged to church as little kids. Well, I was being dragged. Local Lonnie was skipping along the way. She loved church growing up. I, uh, I, was, a bad, I was a bad kid. And I just I didn't want anything to do with it. People were always like, you're going to be a preacher like your dad. I didn't want to be a preacher. Um, and so, but I just, I, I remember being at church a lot. That was John Mark. He was around when the church started. 
you know, he was around during all these times. And so most commentators believe this is Mark. I like to believe it's Mark. And what does Mark do? Well, he's there watching everything. You know, he's, he loves Jesus too. He loves Jesus' teaching. And he said in verse 51, it says, with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him. They're going to arrest him too. But he left and the linen cloth, he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Think about the shame that he felt, mm -hmm. fear and shame. Jesus gets arrested, his hero, you know, his leader in his life. You ever lost a leader in your life through death or through something immoral? That's a hard feeling, mm -hmm. you know, to lose a leader in your life. It's a very lonely feeling, a fearful mm -hmm. feeling, and a shameful feeling. They try to arrest him. He runs away naked. He had to run all the way back home naked, mm -hmm. thinking about how he's running away from his Savior. Mm -hmm. Look at what a lack of peace will make you do. Yeah. Fill you with fear and make you flee with shame. We don't want to live that way. And Jesus... What is his name? The Prince of Peace. Let's go to Philippians 4, 6, and we can talk about how to have peace. How to not be like these characters that we see. Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So this is the key to not, not be anxious and to have peace. He says, first of all, don't be anxious. Don't. This, this translates into like worrying and living with worry. Exit, like operating out of worry. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Do not. But in everything, by prayer. This is the first thing. Prayer. Mm -hmm. Now, prayer, this word is closely defined and understood in, the, in this language, in the Greek language, as the word adoration. To adore something here's an illustration this passage that i'm about to read you in revelation 4 it gives us a spirit of adoration and that's why i'm gonna read it to you adoration is adoring god being like wow being in awe of him borderline fearful good fear reverent fear like what proverbs talks about look at this it says in revelation chapter 4 after this i looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. This is John speaking. John was like a really close best friend of Jesus. And he gets a vision of what God looks like. And it's very closely to, close to the vision that Ezekiel gives. If you read the prophet Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, it's very similar. A lot of overlays, a lot of things that connect. Why are they different? It's because the humans don't have like, we don't have the ability to really fully understand God because he's so holy. He's so outside of our timeline, outside of our universe, outside of our finite thinking. He's infinite. He's eternal. And so what, what John's about to do is says, you know, you know, guys, what I saw, it's kind of like this. Have you seen this before? It's kind of like that. Have you seen that before? It's kind of like that. But this is the best I can do because it's God. Now, listen, after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must, what must take place after this. I just listened to a podcast by, or a sermon via podcast, the Crazy Love podcast. 
Um, probably one of the only podcasts you'll ever hear me shout out on here is because I love Francis Chan. But he was preaching and he was saying, imagine what it might be like for God to say, come up here. When you're about to see what you're about to see. And first of all, the voice calling him sounded like a trumpet. Wow. Verse two, at once I was standing in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Jasper is like a red stone. Carnelian is like crystal. Mm. This person, you know, who sat there looked like that. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. So what is that? A green rainbow? You understand what you, you see the, the hardship that John is in? Emerald is green. A rainbow has many colors. He's, you can see what he's trying to, he's trying to explain this to us, but God is so holy, he's doing the best he can. Around the throne, there were 24 thrones. Seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Many commentators think these are the uh, 12 apostles, and then the other 12 men were the um, 12 tribes of Israel the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and so that's what com most commentators believe. Either way, terrifying. Right. 24 guys all staring at you with crowns on their head, and they're probably huge. It's probably not a small throne they're yeah. sitting on. And, I mean, it can't be small if this, from in verse 5, from the throne, the one in the middle, the one that God was on, from the throne, flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder before the throne. And before the throne were burning seven torches of spirit, which are the seven spirits of God. So God, seven is a number of completion. So remember that when you see the seven spirits of God. God's perfect. He's complete. He needs no one. He needs nothing. He, he has everything. He's complete. He's holy. He's God. He's set apart. Now, Lightning and thunder coming from the throne? Terrifying. I was with my kids, and I'm really sorry if a Google is next to you, but I said, hey, Google, <laughs> uh, what does thunder sound like? And it started playing thunder. And my eyes, my kids' eyes got so big as I was reading this passage to them. And they were like, and my oldest son goes, so, that sounds so scary. And, you know, we can't see thunder. It's a sound, but mm -hmm. we can see lightning. And when you see lightning in the sky, even if you don't see the string of lightning, you see the flash. Mm -hmm. It flashes everything in its sight. Mm. That is what there's that's what John has seen coming from the throne. Now, verse eight, it says, and before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. So a sea in front of the throne, but not water made of crystal. And around the throne on this is where it really gets scary. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind, covered in eyes. Imagine a creature covered in eyes, eyes on their fingers, eyes on their arms, eyes on the, their back, eyes everywhere. That's terrifying. What does that mean? They don't miss anything. There's no sneaking up on this creature and saying, hey, boo, there's no pranking this creature. Terrifying. Eyes everywhere. You know, Francis Chan in his sermon, he said, imagine if I had three eyes, how weird that would be. 
The first living creature, like a lion. A lion covered in eyes. The second creature, like an ox, covered in eyes. The third living creature, like the face with the face of a man, covered in eyes. And a fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight, eyes everywhere. And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings full of eyes around and within. This is absolutely gigantically terrifying to see this, guys. You know, this is why another holy creature mentioned is angels. Some commentators believe these were angels, um, but it says creatures. And so regardless, they're holy and they're terrifying. Every time an angel shows up in the Bible, what do they say? Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Do not fear. Yes. Terrifying. Why? They're holy. Mm-hmm. And they are they have wings full of eyes, covered in eyes, and they're flying day and night, and they never cease to say, verse 8, at the end of verse 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Mm-hmm. I want you to imagine these beings, a lion covered in eyes with six wings, ox, one that looked like a, the face had the face of a man, an eagle, flying around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All day and night, never stopping. That's what John is seeing when he's looking at the throne of God. This is a terrifying sight, and this is the sight that you must take 30 seconds to remember before you start talking to God. Mm. Before you start praying Think about this. That's what it means to adore him. And when he says, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer, he says, stop there. Before you stop, start talking to God, adore him. Think about this site. Think about all the sites in the Bible that you get. When you see Mark, in the book of Mark, where God says, where Jesus says, uh, many of you you guys are not going to die until you see the kingdom of God. He says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a child, you're not going to see it. And some of you guys are not going to die before you see it. In the next chapter, he gets transfigured before Peter, James, and John. He was talking about them. And Mark says Jesus was transfigured into a to the presence, like to this picture of someone that was so bright and glowing, whiter than the best bleach on the earth is what he says. I don't know why he describes it with bleach. I mean, I think... John was young. He's a young man when he, when he was writing this. And so maybe this is the best he can do because Matthew explains the same thing, the same transfiguration. And he says it was like lightning was coming out of his. Oh, my the battery died. Oh, no. Can I can it? do it. Yeah. I'll keep going. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it was like it was like uh, lightning was coming out of his pores. Incredible. That is insane. I think I might be able to. Uh, do the camera on here. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Sorry, guys. Everyone that's listening on the uh, on the podcast is like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> if I can't do it, then I'll just do... Uh, yeah, I can't do it. Whatever. Who cares? Here we go. Just leave it off. Yeah, thank you. Now, Matthew says it was like lightning was coming out of Jesus' pores. So obviously, there's some crazy stuff going on when Jesus is transfigured, when we see his actual sight. We got to have that picture. Moses, when he gets called by God, there's a burning bush. The bush is burning, but it's not burning up. 
We got to have sites like that. We got to remember these little moments where a picture of God pops up in the, in the Bible. And we have to remember those things. Remember his promises. Because to see his promises is to see him. His, the word perfectly pictures who God is. That's why Jesus says the word of God. He's a spitting image of God. The invisible, the visible image of the invisible God, the Bible calls Jesus. So to look at Jesus, the word of God, is to see him. Think about what this word says about God. Think about him. That's how you adore him. That's the first step to getting your peace. The next part, it says in Philippians 4, uh, 5 and 6, it says supplication. What does supplication mean? Uh, so supplication is being earnest, being obedient, being uh, sincere to God, coming to God with sincerity of heart, with um, no faking, no like, let me, uh, you know, just conjure up some good feelings. Let me just, you know, you know, get a good vibe. No, being sincere and honest with God. This means you might cry. You might, you know, one thing that I stopped doing is I stopped just never getting on my knees. Sometimes I pray standing up, sometimes I pray sitting down. But when I get alone with God, every time I get on my knees. Why? I want to be sincere. One thing that C.S. Lewis says is with uh, humans, we're very, our hearts and our minds and everything is so closely connected to our, our body. And so oftentimes what we do with our body is what we feel in our hearts and our minds. And so one of the things um, that's important for us to do is to kneel before God. Because when our bodies kneel, it helps our hearts to kneel. And to come with him with supplication, with sincerity. We see Jesus doing all these things as before we get into the last step. Jesus in Mark 14 in the garden, what is he doing? He says, God, all things are possible for you. That's adoration. Then he says, you know, please, you know, let this cup of suffering. Is there, is there any other way? That's supplication, earnest, honest. And then he says, not my will, your will be done. Only a person who is filled with thanksgiving can say something like that. He's thankful for the will of God, even though the will of God means his ultimate death and like the destruction of his body, psychological torment, an infinity and an eternity amount of suffering squeezed into the hours on the cross. He says, not my will, your will be done. Mm -hmm. Only if he was thankful for the will of God could he say that. We don't have peace because a lot of times we come to God with supplication but no adoration and no thanksgiving, no appreciation. We don't adore him. And because we don't adore him, we're not honest. We're not, we're not sincere. And because of that, we don't, and, we, and then we just jump out of his presence without even thanking him. If you want to have peace, you got to have all these three things. That's what Jesus did. And so even when chaos was happening, he, was, he had peace in his heart. And what does this peace do? The peace of God, it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It, the peace of God passes all understanding. If you don't have peace, your understanding is lost. There's other types of fake peace out there. Mm -hmm. There's like financial peace. Like there's, the world says, if you have peace with your finances, you'll have peace in your heart. No, if you have peace emotionally with others, you'll have peace in your heart. No, those are false pieces. Those pieces don't pass understanding. In fact, your understanding will turn into misunderstanding 
if you're trying to find your peace in those things. Because those things are finite. The peace of God is infinite, eternal. And that's why it passes all understanding. When you shouldn't be able, when you shouldn't be able to have peace, you'll still have peace. When your understanding says right now you should be anxious, you'll still have peace. Why? Because this the peace of God passes all understanding. If you come with adoration, supplication, thanksgiving, that's what it'll look like. And it says that peace will do what? It'll guard your heart and your mind. Your mind is under attack from the enemy, from the world, from your flesh. At all times, your mind's under attack. What you need is a guard. The peace of God will guard your heart and your minds. If you want to live life without falling into the temptation of worry and anxiety, if you want to have a full 24-7 guard, have a prayer life like this. Adoration, supplication, thanksgiving. Father, thank you so much for your instruction and your word. Let us remember what we've been made um, available to, and that is you. Through Jesus on the cross, we can talk to you and you hear us. Before Jesus, you you weren't hearing anything that we were saying. I mean, you were hearing us. You saw our sins. But if we wanted to pray to talk to you, God, there was nothing. There was no connection. But because of what Christ did on the cross, Mm -hmm. now we're fully connected to you Mm -hmm. and he paid for everything. And Lord, we're so thankful for that. And so please let us never forget the fear that we should have in our heart when we think about you. But the fact that you love us and you sent your son because you you love us Mm -hmm. and you wanted to provide a way for us to be connected to you. And Jesus took all that for us. Why? He loves us. He loves his sheep. He is our good shepherd. Let us take advantage of that communication that we have with you mm. and and cast all of our anxieties to you, like Peter says. Lord, maybe he learned that lesson here in the garden. And, and many times in his life, he probably thought back and thought, man, I wish I would have cast this worry, this anxiety to Jesus. And I wish I would have just, you know, chose to go to him so that I could have the peace of God to guard my heart. Mm. Lord, we take Peter's advice and we take Paul's advice. We take your advice and we want to apply it to our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So good. This is um, the section of the podcast called After the Amen, where we want to hear you respond. Um, We want to give you a chance to respond. I guess we can't hear you. So what is your amen from this message? What sticks out to you? Well, I'll go first. Um, Wow. I just think you hit it right the nail on the head. Um, yeah, we cannot have peace if we are not communicating with God and we can't have peace if we aren't communicating with him like properly, Mm -hmm. you know, like if we don't really truly know who he is, know who we're talking to, we're not, we're not going to have peace, you know? And so I, I just really love that. I love that we need to come to him with awe and adoration and just by experience through my own life. Anytime I'm struggling with a decision or an anxiety or whatever it is, the only time I get true peace is by getting real before the Lord, you know, and recognizing who he is and how he is holy and sovereign and in control. Um, And I'm not, and other people in my life are not, but he ultimately is. And so we have access 
to peace at any moment of the day. And I think that is just, there's just so much hope in that, you know, and like, how can we not want to make that available to others? How can we like keep that to ourselves, you know? And so this was just so good. And just a convicting reminder, you know, that we really need to take prayer seriously. Um, you know, it's good to pray without ceasing, you know, just being constant communication throughout the day as you're doing dishes, doing homework, walking to school or on the bus or whatever it is um, that you're doing. But the intimate uh, prayer life is just so essential, yeah. so essential um, to truly knowing who God is mm-hmm. and to having peace and being able to, you know, go through the day-to-day things that we may face, big or small. And so, thank you, Alex. This was a great message, and I'm looking forward to next week already. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's it for this episode, and um, we look forward to speaking with y'all next week. In the meantime, go out and be the church. Amen.